Well, it's great to see you today. It's great to have you here at Life Church, and uh, and so today is kind of a special day. Uh, we're celebrating all of the men in the room. So, ladies, would you give it up for all of the men that are here today? Whether you're a dad or a not, you're, you're you're here, and we just want to celebrate all of the men. And I just hope you know the Bible as well as you know those trivia questions. Just saying. The Braveheart. I was actually very impressed with that. So anyhow, um, but today we, we've got a guest, a guest speaker, and I'm going to kind of be q and a with him, and we're going we're gonna to walk through this next deal. But uh, uh, he is a, uh, uh, an individual that I know personally and that I have great respect and admiration for. I uh, got to know him while he and his family were, were here in, in Milwaukee when he was the head coach at Marquette Men's Basketball, and, uh, and then they attended Life Church. Uh, here and then uh, he and I have just stayed connected in the almost four years that he has been uh, in Virginia in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech University doing a great job and so I invited him and I'm going to unpack some of this as we go along Uh, I invited him to come and I wanted him on Father's Day weekend to speak to us and to kind of unpack some things that I think is um, I think is more normative than sometimes we give credit for it it's something that you want the media will never pick up on but I think it's probably one of the most profound effects. I think the greatest contribution that he and men like him that are coaches, that coach this way and lead this way, again, this doesn't show up on ESPN, it doesn't show up on a highlight reel, it doesn't show up on on television, but they do things and they lead in such a way that I've had the opportunity to be able to see personally that's more transformative than anything you're gonna see on television. More transformative than probably any documentary is gonna pick up on. And, uh, and so I just said, I want you to come and unpack some of this. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about things that we don't, they, people don't get to see. And, uh, and so uh, his schedule permitted and, and everything worked out. And I'm so glad and so uh, glad that he was able to, to be here with us today. So would you give a great Life Church welcome to our guest today, Coach Buzz Williams, as he makes his way to the platform. Good to have you. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that warm southern weather with you. <laughs> yes. So, you uh, today you you came and the boys are here. Your James and John, the sons of thunder, right there. Mason and Bubba, right there on the front row. And uh, ladies, he is in the tenth grade and single. I'm not talking about Mason. I'm talking about. All right, come on. He's like, oh, pastor. I told him, I said, hey, man, you might find some beautiful, young, godly woman. You have to step your game up a little bit, Life Church. So we're watching. And, uh, but great to have you here. Thank you very Thank much. you for being here Good on Father's Day. Good to see you. And, um, and so you're not a stranger here to this area at all. Uh, you uh, came to Milwaukee. You were uh, at Marquette from 08 to 2014. Uh, I'm just kind of reading this out. I'm a pastor, right? Sure, I know the Bible, but I'm, sure, I'm you know. These people would quit sinning, I could watch some more sports. That's what I'm going to say, all right? But three Sweet 16 appearances for the first time since 1974 uh, under your leadership, including a co-champs of the Big East and a late, an Elite Eight appearance. And then in the fall of 2014, you went to Blacksburg, Virginia uh, to be the head coach at men's basketball at Virginia Tech. And so in 2017, 2018, you led the Hokies to back-and-back NCAA tournaments, only the second time that that's happened in the school's history. 
and you led the Hokies to three straight 20-plus win seasons, which not happened since 1986. That, I got that right? That was all correct. Good, good. Well, it's good to have you back in, in, in Milwaukee, in the city of Milwaukee, and we love you, and we're glad to have you here today. And so I'm going to open this up right here, right? Every sports writer wants to ask this question. What do you miss most about Milwaukee? Uh, there's a lot of things um, in the 20 minutes that I've been in here, and I mean this in a genuine way. I miss you. I miss our relationship uh, being connected together, but I also miss this church. Um, we went to, maybe it happens in all of the families, but we went to 10 or 12 churches when we first came here, trying to figure out the right one, the right one with a growing family, the right one that would uh, be uh, nourishing to me and to my wife. This became that one. Um, we never went to another church, and we missed that as soon as we left. Yeah. And we've kind of done the same thing, and in Virginia, um, but I miss Life Church. Uh, I miss the worship. I miss you. I miss our relationship. Uh, not that I don't miss the people and all of the other things that happened right. here. Um, being here changed my children's lives forever. Uh, they don't know any different because this is where they grew up. But uh, the opportunity that came here changed their world forever. Uh, but looking back, now that we've been gone four years, the thing that I miss the most is, is this. Wow. We miss you, too. Thanks. Miss you, too. All right. So what are, you, you've coached some incredible players, and, and I'll pay you for what you just said, the nice words in it. It was the truth. I hope somebody tweeted that out. I'm just teasing. So what are some of the most memorable players of, that you've coached? Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's a typical question. Um, we had a lot of really good players. All of those stats were not because of me. Uh, it was because of the staff. It was because of the administration at Marquette. But it was also because of the talent of the roster. And everybody knows the really good players. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Wesley Matthews, Jay Crowder, Dwight Bikes, who's from Milwaukee. We had a lot of guys that ended up becoming elite in their profession. I think as I get older, I wouldn't have necessarily said it if we would have had this interview seven to ten years ago. I think as I get older, you know, the guys that I remember the most are the ones that didn't play. Really? And uh, the reason I remember it is because I learned just as much or more from those kids as I did from the best players, right? Because uh, those were the guys that came to Marquette thinking they were going to be great. They were going to become pros. And along the way, they realized they weren't. And so you saw a life change through the lens that they saw things because they didn't get to be the star. They didn't get to play, yet they still had to do all of the work. They still had to do all the practice. They still had to do all the weight rooms. They still had to do all the study halls. They still had to do all of the preparation for an opponent. And zero glory. They were never interviewed. Uh, nobody ever tweeted about them. Wow. Uh, they were not the guys that were the star of the game. They were never on Sports Center, And I think as I've aged, um, that's who I appreciate at the same level as the guys that scored the most baskets. And I think I've become a better coach or leader, if that's the word, by understanding that lens just as much as I understand um, the best player's lens, right? 
it's easy for you in some ways because you've uh, it's it's what you've grown to become you're the leader of this entire organization but uh, I remember Kevin and Noel doing what my guy just did right here six years ago yeah you like what Kevin and Noel did was really important that's my opinion Uh, what Ryan does is critical to what you do and so seeing those players of names that nobody in this audience would know man they were really important to all of those things you said when you introduced me because that's what allowed all of those things to happen wow that's great and just so you know, the guy that did that at the beginning right there with those short pants and Michael Jackson. Were those tuxedo pants? I guess, man. <laughs> I was just wondering, since it was but Father's Day, if that was... That was it, but I... Either he's, they were tuxedo or he wore them in the band. You know, I think like there the might band. be some Bruce Lee or something, band, right? Band yeah. Uniform, the yeah. Drum. He's from Texas. I want you to know yeah, that. I, that. That's your home you're state. you that's where I'm from? Yes. That's, I'm just throwing that out there. Arkansas guy wouldn't do that. that store where he got those. <laughs> okay. He didn't, right. buy, he didn't buy them online. They, they were up no, here. No, no, I know. <laughs> he might have stolen them off somebody. We don't know, right? All right, so you go to Virginia Tech. I remember going there the fall you, you were there, and, man, it was like, it was a completely different, mm-hmm. you know, place. Yeah. And uh, it was more known for football than sure. it was basketball. And, uh, and in a very tough conference in the ACC. Yeah. And... Man, it is like like the last time I, I when I was watching you guys play your last home game televised, Castle Hall was just packed. Yeah, it was not the way no. it was. It's changed a lot since you came the first time. So, so how have you coached and led Virginia Tech to be that level of a contender? It's uh, such a thin line. No matter what we do, uh, whether you're a pastor or you own your own business or coach if that's what you want to call it no matter your profession I think we're all fighting for mind space so uh, we finished the camp last night before we flew in to have dinner with you and I'm with my boys and that's uh, it's hard to find we're going to be together maybe 22 consecutive hours just me and my boys and that's hard to find right uh, that amount of time and when I'm with them right there's like a hour or two where it's like, hey, it's just us, and there's nobody else around. And for me, it's kind of like, I've got to get my mind wrapped around, it's just me, Bubba, and Mace. And they kind of do the same, right? And we're all fighting for mind space. And when we got to Tech, uh, Pastor, there was zero space for Virginia Tech basketball, rightfully so. They had finished in last place for three consecutive years. Um, When we got there, Um, I called every parent and said, I'm not going to fire your son. I'm not going to take your son's scholarship. That's not the way to do it. Um, I believe it's the way as a human I'm supposed to do it. But when you take over a team that's bad, that's not the way you do it. You want to kind of get everybody out of there and bring some new people in. Gotcha. But I told the parents, but obviously we're going to have to have a culture change uh, in order for us to kind of maneuver in a different trajectory. And we finished in last place in year number one. We won two games, which was the same number of games they had won the year before. Obviously, I was ridiculed at a very high level in our industry for leaving Marquette, which is a very, very good job and has always been good no matter who the coach has been, and took a job that had never been good ever 
and that's why now those stats kind of sound good at Virginia Tech. Really, it just means we've become competitive. We're not really good. It's just we're good in comparison to Virginia Tech's been bad for so long, gotcha. right? And so um, there's been so many lessons on so many levels uh, that I've learned from age 40 to 45. I mean, it's been, I've grown in multiple ways. But the first thing is, is no matter what your industry is, the, the margin of success or failure, the margin between uh, the Packers beating the Bears, even if the Bears are bad and the Packers are really good or vice versa, the line is almost invisible. And I think the same is true in your world. I think the same is true in uh, corporate America. The line has become incredibly thin and I believe a portion of that is because it's such a battle for mind space. My mind space, your mind space, our children's mind space. So how can you get all of that going in the right direction? And the only way is through your culture. And it's the culture of the kids that don't play. It's the culture of the kids that shoot all the balls. But it's also the culture of the Ryan, of the Kevin, of the Noel, of your wife. It's all of those people that for the most part, the public has no idea even who they are. It's all of those people pulling in the same direction. And when we packed up the circus, if that's what you would call it, at Marquette and moved the tent and dropped it down in Blacksburg, nobody even knew about that circus. And so all of those people are so important. And uh, the results are important. That's how uh, our industry is judged. If you win a bunch, everybody thinks you're a good coach. Uh, if you lose a bunch, you're not a good coach and you have to find another job. But uh, when you're only focused on the results and that's all you're judging your organization by, I think there's a short shelf left to that. But I think the culture is what you're built on and that's who you are. And I think that's why we've been able to have some level of uh, progression in the right way. Good. Okay. So. Knowing you, knowing your how you look at life and your kind of life view and all of that and having hours of conversation back and forth through the years, when you got to Virginia Tech, I, I am watching, I'm kind of keeping up on social media and that kind of a deal, and I see something, I'm going to have you set up this video clip. Uh, I got, the first thing I would say is I got in trouble for what we're about to see. The second thing I would say uh, is I've done it every year. The third thing is, is uh, it got out there without me knowing, and then once it got out there because I knew I was going to get in trouble, I made sure that as best I could that I acted like I put it out there to protect the people that did put it out there. Uh, this is at the end of the season. We had just lost our last game. It was uh, in the NCAA tournament. And it was the first time Virginia Tech had been to the NCAA tournament in 13 years. Okay. So we're in the locker room following our last game, which we right. lost. A very private moment. Correct. And I didn't know there was a camera in there, which is how all of this kind of got yeah. it turned viral. Gotcha. Check this out. I pray that you would protect their health. <coughs> I pray that when they get married, it's the absolute best friend they could ever have. I pray that when they have children, God, that uh, they will invest in those children 
so that for generations the impact of the heart of Greg and Zach and Seth and Matt would be evident. Thank you that their name will forever be in the rafters at Castle, but more importantly, that every day we'll fill their spirit and we'll be thankful for the time that they were here. I pray that uh, you'll make them work for every dream that they've had. I pray that you won't give them anything that they haven't earned. And I pray that uh, as they learn to work, that you'll bless their work and that they'll flip the blessing to other people. Greg, I love you. I will help you the rest of your life. Zach, I love you. I will help you the rest of your life. Seth, I love you. I will help you the rest of your life. Matt, I love you. I will help you the rest of your life. Not a job, not basketball, not money, not wisdom. No matter what it is, when you call or when you text, I promise you nobody in the world will fight for you and help you more than I will. And one B on that list will be everybody else that's in this group. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you coaching like at a small Bible college right there? Yeah, I think that's why I got in trouble. <laughs> yeah. It was like I went to the same school you and Tammy went to. That's right. So I'm sitting there and I'm, wa- and I'm going, oh my God. Because I know you. And I've been around you with players when no one else is around. And that's going on. And immediately my mind went to a verse. It's going to be up on the screen. Malachi 4.6. It's an Old Testament prophecy. And it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Preceding verse in verse 5, it says that this is what will happen when the end will come, when the Lord will return. And we live in a day and age where what you did, being a man who is successful, who is as manly as any guy I know, but then sitting there and laying his hands, which is a transfer in in the Bible of authority, of anointing and of blessing, Old Testament and New Testament, onto another generation. And then you began to speak over their lives. It was like Jacob with Ephraim and Manasseh when he began to lay his hands upon them and began to prophesy their futures into what God was going to have into them. And then I began to hear on that audio, those young men began to weep, which is not something that you typically see out of an athlete. So help me understand, where in you does that come from to step into that space? Yeah, um, obviously we could probably talk about this for a long time, and I don't want anything that I would say to come across uh, in an arrogant way. I was not, I was not doing that uh, for people to see. I, I have done that every year. And... and um, so on, on many levels, right, um, a lot of the people in the world, not necessarily basketball players, um, their view of love is jaded. Their view of love is skewed. Their view of love is incorrect. And because of our world, I think that 
the simplest version of love or true love is when there's no agenda attached. And so I'm not saying that all of the people in that room believe in the God that we believe in. Right. And uh, we do have other people in that room that do worship another God. And I allow them the same forum uh, that we just watched. But you know, those kids, uh, those uh, kids that were seniors, uh, their story to Virginia Tech, to an extent, uh, my family's story to Virginia Tech, all of the stories and work and sacrifices that led to that moment, uh, it's hard to process, right? It's hard to process in that moment in time. It's hard to process what's next for those kids because their career is over. And what is the best thing that I think that I could do to help, which I think is the role of a leader. And that's why I've always done that. And there's so much emotion. Even now, it's hard for me to watch it, not because I don't agree with it, but it's like I, my soul goes back to that moment in time. The kid that you heard weeping broke his toe in the first half. We were playing Wisconsin. I, that, I think that says that God is a basketball fan. <laughs> that the first game that Virginia Tech would play in the NCAA tournament would be against Marquette's arch rival, right? And the, our best player guard uh, broke his foot and at halftime they put a needle in the top of his big toe longer than any needle I'd ever seen and he screamed at a decibel level that I haven't heard. And that was him weeping because he, in essence, didn't play much of, from that point on in that game. They would have beat us anyway, that's not what I'm saying, but so much emotion and what is it that I could do because that's the last time that team is going to be a team. As soon as we walk out, that team is over and we're starting over. Right. And uh, Yeah, but you stepped into that space. Like yeah. I, I, they're, they're quiet and they're reverent, but when you begin to call their names and tell them that I love you. Sure. That, that's transformative. Yeah, the, we, we do it the first 100 days that kids are on campus. So we're in the first 100 days of uh, the new kids that'll be at Virginia Tech. You know what's amazing, and I'm over the top as a dad, uh, my kids, all of them, the guys and the girls in our family, they know how to shake hands, they know how to look in your eye, they know how to introduce themselves, they know how to have the right body language, they know how to use your name once you introduce yourself in their next reply. Many of those kids, Aaron, that we uh, join with, they haven't heard any of that. And so in the first 100 days they're there, I spend an inordinate amount of time, me, teaching them that. And you have seen that when you've came in the gym, they're all gonna introduce themselves to you as soon right. as you walk in. But uh, one thing that's also included in those first 100 days is those kids, most of them, they don't know how to give a hug. You know, they wow. give the, they give that, right. but they don't know how to give a hug. And so I teach them, this is how you give a hug. And most of them have only had a hug, not all of them, a lot of them from their mom. 
but not from a male and not necessarily from a male that looks like me. And so a hug typically requires um, some sort of eye contact either before or after. Right. And literally we work on that. <laughs> uh, and then I teach them how to say I love you. Um, and you know, typical guy, right? Typical, those are all cool guys. Right. And I'm the weirdo old guy. Um, I love you. Love you too, man. No, 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 no. Not love you too. I love you. You have to take ownership in that love. Uh, well, they've never said I love you to a male. So how do you give a hug? Well, you, you're probably not going to give a hug unless I know who you are. How do you introduce yourself? How do you have the right eye contact? How do you say I love you? in the right tone that gives meaning to those words while also taking ownership of those words. And so uh, it's like orientation in our world, right. uh, in our program, we're gonna do that. And uh, their parents are aware of that. And so by the time they get to that point, uh, they know that that love is not exclusive to what happens on the court. They know that that love, there is no agenda. They know that I love them. Uh, for their lives and I'm not saying that I've necessarily earned the right to step into that space uh, but I do think that in that space it is sacred uh, it is holy ground and it is the best thing in that moment in time that I could give them that gives them peace for whatever is coming their way because they don't know what's coming their way Right, but you're 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 stepping into a place too of affir of affirming, sure, which probably has not happened a lot from yeah. a male figure in their life to your point, and and a male figure as you would say, in your demographic, sure, uh, only what they can bring to the table, what they can do on the court, what you can do for me, yeah. then that's, but you're stepping in this unconditional, this love of the Father, you know, yeah. for God so loved the world that He gave without string, without condition. Yeah. It's the same thing that we see that God the Father does with Jesus the Son when he goes and John the Baptist baptizes him in the River Jordan. The heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove, and then the voice of God speaks. It's the first time that the audible voice of God will be known to speak to a group of people in hundreds of years at this point. And he says these words, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And every man needs to hear those words. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Where do you get that from? Where did you learn that from? Because you do that with your sons. You yeah, do that with I, these players. I hope that I do it with everybody. Um, I think that's what we're all supposed to do regardless of our title. You know, the, the, greatest, uh, the greatest thing that I can give you, and I hope that I have, and I don't mean this in the wrong way. I'm just using it as an example. I believe in who you are. Right. And I believed when it was not this building, but it was over there in the little strip shopping center. And when I drive in today, it's like, where'd that go? Right. And walk in here and see all of this. It's not all of this that uh, impresses me. What impresses me is your daily discipline and leadership to have a vision to do this. My belief is in you. And I think that's the greatest gift wow. any of us can give one another is I believe in you. And 
you know, I, I have uh, the first hour of my day, like most of you, the first hour, no matter what, including this morning, uh, I have a prayer journal, a Bible, a devotional book or two, but I'm going to write in that prayer journal uh, immediately. It's a prayer journal. It's a brain dump. It's a diary. Like I'm a teenager. I'm in <laughs> brown deer at the courtyard. I'm going to see pastor today. It's Father's Day. The boys are with me. And I know that there are there is scripture to back this up. Words are power. Your 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 tongue is a double-edged sword. I know you know those scriptures and where they're located better than I. But uh, many times, Pastor, what I write in that prayer journal, regardless of the time of the year, is God help me to speak life. Hmm. Because that's what we all need. Right. And it does, we need that whether we're the preacher, we need that whether we're the ball coach, we need that whether we're the stay-at-home mom, we need that whether we're the straight-A kid, teenage star athlete, we need that if we're in Teen Challenge. We need that if we're running Teen Challenge. And that's, I think, what God asks of us to do is, man, speak life. That doesn't mean speak exaggerated life, because you've seen me speak the truth when it wasn't right. easy to speak. And I don't always use the right words. So I, uh, but that's what I want to do. And I want my heart's desire to speak life because when you speak life you give hope and when you give hope that soul has belief that soul knows that person believes in me and so much of what goes on in our world we can complain about but so much of it is based on there's no faith in that there's no belief in that there's no we're pulling all in the same direction for that and that starts in someone's heart and so uh, I'm not a very good coach. Uh, and the older I get, I care less about coaching. I like the game. I don't necessarily like all the things that go into the game. But the people that are on the bus that are going to the game, I love them. And I uh, want them to be their best in every facet of their life. And I think the best way I can do that is to speak life into their life. And that, that's, what, that's what you see, that's, that's, and that's what I know. And, that, and, and, and that's the reason why when I invited you to come, this is, I said, look, I, I want to unpack this because I think that what you're doing is you're stepping into that space. And, and I think that the reality is, is we've never needed what you just said more in the world in which we live in I agree. than today, where it's just like, look, man, I'm one beggar to another beggar where to find food. That's right. I, I, it's, what, it's what, you know, the Bible says that they'll know us by our love one for another. They won't know us by the size of the church or the, or the, or the height of the steeple or the beauty of the stained glass. They'll know when I'm loving you and serving you and speaking life into you. Paul says to Timothy, make sure that you're a bearer of the hope of Christ that dwells within inside of you. Yeah, preach that. You mean a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> You're about to coach. I'm about to that's preach. Good. We got to land this plane. But, but that's right. But these that are that's what I was trying to say. All that you just said. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I. Was yeah, to yeah. Say. <laughs> All that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Take an offering. Okay. Here we go. Um, 
But I want to say, just I want to wrap things up today, and you may have a closing comment before we do that. But I want to first of all say thanks for taking time to be here. Um, Secondly, I want to say thanks for being that salt and light in a world that's very saltless and very dark and making a difference where you can. Um, And thanks for being public in, in a, in a God honoring way. That's kind to other people that may not have the same belief system, not bulldozing and being, you know, we talked about last week in here about being kind, living that receivable life and uh, doing that in a way that you're not diminishing what you believe. So even as you prayed, you said in the name of Jesus Christ, last night, Mason was the first one to grab something to eat. So I said, you're the first one to grab something to eat. You got to pray. And he, he looked prayed. at me and he did pray. And I told Tammy last night, I said, he, I, you know, I'm out with all kinds of people and I can tell when the kids have been taught to pray or they haven't prayed. And he prayed for, man, we're about to have church, you know, right there in the restaurant. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, and in not in an offensive way, but in a kind way and in a humble way. And that's what you did and that's what you do. And so thank you. More than, more than just seeing you on television or coaching or any of this kind of stuff, but just stepping into that space, into a space that's very, it's not wrong, but it's very secular, that, that is not thinking in that way to kind of go, hey, I'm going to do this. And I know you're not the only coach doing this. No. I mean, I know there are a lot of guys, but you're, the, you're one of the guys that I know and that I have a relationship with. And I know that what was on that video, I've been with, when you, when you're with guys doing that. I've, I've been when that's happening and there's no cameras that are rolling. I've also been when they're down in the half and you're having to light a fire under them, as my dad would say. I was praying too, it was just in a different way. (laughs) So any, any closing words before I'm I'm going to ask you something? I'm grateful to be here. I I don't, uh, I I don't want, I'm over paranoid partly because I used to live here. Um, I don't want anything that I would have said to come across as if I have all the answers. Uh, I have no answers. I'm still trying to figure out the right questions. But I came because I love Pastor, and I don't love him because he's the pastor. I love him because he's Aaron. And uh, maybe one fragment of a sentence I said would be helpful to somebody. That's why I came. Good. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray over the men in this room today. Sure. That whether they need to hear those words, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, or whether they're the one that's giving that. Sure. And here's what I want you to do today. If you're a man in this room, I want you to stand. Every man, I don't care whether you're 13 or you're, or you're, 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 you're 105, I just want you to stand. It's not about being a dad, it's about being a, a man. And then what I'm going to ask Buzz to do is I'm just going to ask him to pray. Um, and pray over you and pray over this in your life. And my desire, my heart as a pastor is that you feel not just affirmed, but I hope that you realize, I think this is a space that our world needs. We need men to be men and own that. But at the same time, step into and say, hey, I love you. I'm telling you, it's, it's one of the most powerful things when you look at someone, especially to another man. They don't know how to kind of take that. But, but there's a security in yourself to be able to do that. And then there's, there's something that happens. Because if John's gospel is right, and if 1 John is right, that God is love, and in him is light, and there is no darkness, there is a transference. Without you ever uttering the name of Jesus or God, there is a, a flow, a divine flow from you as a believer in Jesus Christ to someone else. Read the book of Esther. 
God is all over the book of Esther in the Old Testament. For such a time as this, Mordecai says to Esther, you've been brought to the kingdom. Yet God's word is never uttered and no one ever writes it. But it's all there. And so whatever space that you're in, I, uh, my desire is, is that we step into that space. Not in a hostile way, not in a powering up way, not in a, but in a kind, receivable space. And so, which is what I see you modeling and living and what I endeavor to do as well. And I just want to ask that you would just pray for the men of this room that we would be there. Would you bow your heads and let's pray? If you're near a man with your right hand, not your left hand, the right hand is the hand of blessing. Just touch him. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're the best father ever. And thank you that we have recorded history centuries later of the example that we are to follow. And I pray that uh, in this day and age that we live in, maybe that you can protect us from all the voices and all the social media and how fast the world turns. Maybe that you could just slow us down just enough to realize that the simplicity and how you talk and the simplicity and how you live is what you ask of us and that we don't have to make it more complicated than it is and our ego doesn't have to get involved yes, God. and uh, the title of where we work really doesn't matter and uh, whether we have a lot materially or whether we have nothing materially that you created us to honor and glorify you and that you knew before we were created what our path was going to be and give us peace that wherever we're at right now good or bad that was a part of your plan and since you're the best father ever that we should be grateful for the space that we're in. And we still have the responsibility to give you honor and glory. And so for the men that are in the room that are not yet fathers yet, I pray that we would be the right example. Yes, God. And for those that are fathers, cope them with love that can only come from you. Yes, Lord. to teach their children what it means to be a good, good father. And for those old fathers that are here, God, thanks for what they've done yes. and how they've contributed and how they've helped all of us. And I pray that from this Father's Day until next Father's Day, that you would give us your favor and not for us, but that the favor that would come from you, we would shine back on you. That we wouldn't think it was about us, but that we would think it's about you. Yes. And that when the world says, talk about yourself, that somehow you would give us a, a slight pause and go, oh yeah, yeah, this is when God is teaching me. It's not about me. I'm supposed to make it about you. 
thinks that you're in charge and in control of everything. Give us the right thoughts and the right words to speak life. We love you and we're humbled that in this day and age that there would be a Father's Day. Maybe every day should be Father's Day because you're the best father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.